rejection. It's hatred. It involves persecution. It involves revelation. And it's absolutely certain. It involves certainty. This is going to happen. It happened for the early church. It happened for the first 300 years of church history. It's happened at some point somewhere in the globe in every single generation. Now I'll be honest with you. It sure looks like it's going to start happening here. The Spirit's overflow guides us to the truth. That's what Pastor Daniel will explore as he takes us through this teaching from the Gospel of John. Through the Word, through His voice, we're convicted of our sin and guided through every day. He wants to change us, and we always have room to grow. It's the greatest gift to be ushered into life eternal by God Almighty. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, with his continuing study entitled, The Overflow. It was cool because he came in and we talked and all he wanted, I knew all he wanted me to do is say, listen, you need to do what God's asking you to do. And he was so encouraged by that. Are you willing to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, not what I think the fruit should be in my life, but Lord, what is your plan? What kind of fruit do you want to bear me? So we're not trying to get God on our page. We're saying, Lord, by your spirit, get us on your page. Now, from there, as we move into verse 18, all the way down to 16, verse 4, we find something really weird. Look at what it says. Verse 18 says this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, They will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now... They have seen and have also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things, chapter 16, verse 1, I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Why is this weird? 
because the overflow will be rejected. The overflow will be rejected. All this talk about love, responding to the love of Jesus, living self-sacrificially because of our friendship and our conformity to Jesus. And the fact that God wants to bear fruit in our life, you get this strange thing that this overflow is going to be rejected. In verses 18 and 19, the overflow's rejection involves hatred. Wow. The overflow's rejection involves hatred. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The overflow's rejection involves hatred. Jesus said, look, they hated me. Guess what? They're going to hate you. If you were part of the world, then the world would love you. But since you're not, the world will hate you. Now, isn't that a warm and fuzzy thought for a Sunday morning? One of the reasons the church of Jesus Christ in 21st century America is ineffective is because we're not willing to receive that from Jesus. We want to snuggle up and be as much like the world as we can get away with and still call ourselves Christians instead of being willing to say, look, Lord, if I am as you are in the world, then people will treat me the same way that they treated you. It involves hatred. Are we willing to love Jesus and be hated by people? Again, that's why this, the gauge of loving our neighbors being that our neighbors like us is such a problem. You know, it's funny. I I thought for a while about how I was going to soften the blow of that statement. I just realized that I just can't. We're just going to let Jesus be Lord. And we're just going to let Jesus' word sit there tense on our hearts. Are we willing to hang our hat with Jesus in a way that people would hate us? But not only is that hatred and emotion... It gets worse because in verses 20 and 21, now the overflow's rejection becomes persecution. See it? Look what it says. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours also. But all things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. Not only is it feelings of ill will, the overflows rejection is not just hatred, now it is active persecution. We don't realize, we don't realize how good we have it in America. There are people today all over the world who are meeting to have communion, to share prayer and the word, and they're doing it underground at fear of their lives. It's amazing the genuineness of the faith of people who it's not a good business decision to go to church. I mean, it's a, this is a sobering word. I mean, over, we're talking overflow. Now we're talking about the rejection of the overflow. Feelings of hatred. Now Jesus said, look, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. And he said, they're going to do it for my namesake. They're not going to persecute you for you. They're going to persecute you for me. And I think my prayer... My prayer is that as Christians, not only here at Crossroads, but all over the globe, that people, if they're going to get mad at us, let them get mad at us for Jesus and not for some other reason. Almost every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, they want to talk politics. And I'm like, man, 
They don't want to say, listen, we really don't like you because you are so nice to everybody and it helps us realize how not nice we are to people. It's always because we're equally as politically divisive as the other people. You guys know I have a hobby horse about this. I have a hobby horse about Christians being politically divisive when Jesus died to save sinners. And guess what? Both parties are chock full of sinners. And God is discipling everybody. God is working to change everybody's hearts. God isn't God a, a red or a, he's not a red or a blue state. Jesus Christ died to save sinners. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. Because if they're going to be mad at us, they should be mad at us because we are so much like Christ that they're persecuting us because of our love, not because of our politics. Now, don't get me. I'm not saying that politics doesn't play in. You can disagree with somebody and still respect them. And that is something we need to learn. Even if they don't respect us politically, we should respect everybody. Because we see them created in the image and likeness of God and fatally flawed by sin, just the way we see ourselves. Though the hatred and the persecution should not be because of our politics, it should be because of who our Lord and Savior is and our likeness to Him. And not only that, look at, this is why, this is why if we really follow Jesus and we let His love overflow us, there will be hatred and persecution. Look at verse 22. It says this, If I had come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and have also hated both me and my father. But this happened, that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. This is why there's hatred and persecution in Jesus' name. Why? Because of revelation. I was going to have fun with this and say, because of apocalypticism, which is the Greek word for revelation. When you think of the word apocalyptic, you think of, you know, of course, you know, a meteor coming to hit the earth and you need Bruce Willis to go and drop a nuke in that thing. We think of apocalypse, we think of the end times, but the word apocalyptic or apocalypse literally means the unveiling, the revealing. The word in the Greek, its, its origins come from taking the top off of a box to see what's inside. And the reason the overflow will be rejected is because of Jesus, because Jesus did two things. Notice, he emphasized in verse 22 the works that he did, and then he emphasized in verse 24 the words that he taught. The work and the word of Jesus is revelatory. It reveals what's in the heart of a person. When you listen and read the words of Jesus, you because of the things he says, we all stand there and say, oh man, I'm falling way short of this, right? And that helps us to realize the way that we fall short. That's why reading your Bible is a dangerous activity. Because if you're reading your Bible and you're reading the words of Jesus and you're looking at your life, you're like, oh man, I need help. And the reason most people don't want to read the Bible I was telling our evangelism class at the school of ministry. They're like, well, what do you do if someone says, I don't believe the Bible? I'm like, your next question should be, have you ever read it? And when they say yes, then you probe them. Genesis, Leviticus, tell me what's in Zephaniah. And then they look at you like, see, 
The reason I do that is this. Because the word of God lays all of us naked and open. What does it say in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12? For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword that goes down to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Now, I don't know what the division of soul and spirit is, and the reality is, is nobody does. But that's how the word of God is like a laser into the heart of a person. It discerns our thoughts and our intentions. And see, the word of God reveals to us our need for God's grace. And that is why the word of God, and then of course the works of Jesus, the finished work of the cross, the way he lived and moved amongst people, God is Jesus-like. God is, the way Jesus was in the world is who God is living in a human body. And the word and the works of Jesus will cause people to stumble. And we're going to see why in our next section. But not only that, then verses 16, 1 to 4, our last characteristic of this rejection is this. The overflow's rejection is certain or it involves certainty. Look at what Jesus said in verses 1 to 4 of chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Not they might. Look, they will. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. This rejection is absolutely certain. I hate it when Jesus used certain language like this. It will happen. So the overflow's rejection. It's hatred. It involves persecution. It involves revelation. And it's absolutely certain. It involves certainty. This is going to happen. It happened for the early church. It happened for the first 300 years of church history. It's happened at some point somewhere in the globe in every single generation. And I'll be honest with you, it sure looks like it's going to start happening here. It sure looks like it's coming. That's a sobering word. It's been a privileged place for all religions in America, but now the tides of the culture are changing. Now, I don't think we should be alarmist about it. I think we should just follow Jesus. I don't think we should fight. I don't think we should cry about it. I think we should just follow Jesus. Say, Lord, whatever's going to happen, you're God. I'm not. I'm going to follow you to the best of my abilities, wherever that leads. But now, and in our final section here, beginning in verse 16, 5, we learn this. The overflow's source is the Spirit. The fountainhead or the source of this overflow of love that will be rejected is the Spirit. Jesus began to talk about it at the end of verse 15, if you remember verses 26 and 27. But look what he says in verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. 
of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. The overflow's source is the Spirit. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, I almost preached this a whole message on this. Because Jesus comes back to it again. So the four characteristics are quite simple here. This overflow of love that Jesus promised in our life, the fountainhead of it, and the actual flow is the Spirit. It will be rejected, but notice in verse 5 through 7, it says this. And look at specifically verse 7. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Spirit's overflow is our advantage. Jesus says, it's better for you to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit than for me, me walking amongst you. Can you fathom that? It was to the disciples' advantage that Jesus died, rose again, and sent the Spirit than it was for Jesus to walk amongst them. You are in a privileged position compared to the apostles. Wow! We got a better gig than the apostles do. Because Jesus could only be in one place at one time. Now he indwells the heart of all who would believe. Do you realize that? That you got it better than Peter. You got it better than John. It's to our advantage. The Spirit's overflow is advantage. Now notice in verses 8 to 11, the Spirit's overflow is conviction. But when he has come, speaking of the Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Spirit's overflow is one of conviction. That's the gift. Every time you or I do something and you have that check in your spirit, that's proof that you're God's kid. If I see my son Obadiah doing something naughty, I correct him because he's mine. If you see my son Obadiah naughty, you think, oh, look at the pastor's kid. But those of you who really love my son would stop and say, hey, Obadiah, don't do cannonballs into the baptismal pool. <laughs> We'd be in trouble if I was doing cannonballs in with him. Now we'd be really in trouble. But the reality is, is God loves you enough to convict you. God loves people enough to say, look, that may have been okay, but it's not okay anymore. God convicts the world of sin. What's the greatest sin? Notice he says, because they don't believe in me. The cross of Jesus Christ is meant to show the world the wages of sin. And when people don't believe in him, they're saying, I don't believe that that's sin. So the Spirit convicts of sin, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. That's verse 10. We know what true right living is because only one person ascended to the Father. 
And that's Jesus. He teaches the standard for rightness. And of course, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The finished work of the cross judges all the works of darkness and Satan as its ringleader. The Spirit's overflow is advantage, it's conviction. Notice verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you of things to come. I love this. The Spirit's overflow is guidance. He will guide us into all truth. You can only be guided if you've chosen not to be the leader. You cannot be led when you are out in front of what God wants to do. How many times, like the Apostle Peter, do we come to the Lord and say, No, Lord. No, Lord. That's an oxymoron. You can't call him Lord and say no. You ever think about that? When you say no, Lord, you can't call him Lord and tell him no. He's either the Lord or he ain't. The Spirit's overflow guides us into the truth. And that's why I love the fact that I believe in a God who is continually challenging. I believe in a God who I can't say, yeah, I got it all together. I'm the pastor. I'm perfected. No, every single day I get before Jesus and I get guided. Daniel, you got to stop doing that. Daniel, you need to think about this. You need to change, Daniel. I want to change you. You've always been this way. You were raised this way. But this is the way I have for you. But if you're not willing to be a follower, not of a pastor, but of Jesus being led by the Spirit, he can't guide you. He can't guide you. And then finally, verses 14 and 15. Notice, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Not only does the Spirit guide us, but the Spirit declares the truth to us and in us. Not only, hey, follow me, but this is the way we're going. Do you ever have that kind of a situation where somebody wants to lead you, but they're not telling you where they're going? And we all get a little freaked out, right? Like, well, where are we going? Well, what are we doing? Like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, and we all love those type of things, don't we? Not only does the Spirit guide us, but He declares to us. He uses words to tell us where He's taking us. So the over, Spirit's overflow is advantage, conviction, guidance, and declaration. I love this. So awesome. So exciting. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit's job is to take all that God is for us in Christ and declare it to us. Preaching to us. Convicting us. Guiding us all to our advantage as Christians. That's mighty, isn't it? Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel read today that persecution will happen to followers of Jesus. It's certain. One overflow of Jesus' love is the rejection of it. It's happened throughout history and will continue to. As we heard, though, we can just keep on living according to the Word, trusting in Jesus, 
taking comfort that He dwells in our hearts. If you know Jesus' standard, you can live by it with confidence, no matter what may come. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Join Pastor Daniel in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio when we'll learn how even popular media knows Jesus is the man because there's no disputing that he is at the center of everything. We'll hear why that is, a sneak peek of John 17, where we'll hear that God's glory is inescapable as he shows us who he is. Pastor Daniel will explain why the idea of dying to ourselves runs contrary to contemporary culture. But that's what Jesus did. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled The Mission, Knowing. Until then, may God bless.